Welcome to Middle Movers, a podcast for entry and mid-level marketers who want to learn from people on the same rung of the ladder. I'm your host, Khadija, and I'm a growth marketer at Manchester-based Six and Flow. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Middle Movers Podcast. Today I have with me Jacqueline Wingfield, who is a Senior Social Media and Public Relations Manager at D2L. Welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. First podcast ever, so this is a big deal. It is a big deal. Well, you're a big deal, so naturally I had to ask you (laughs) to come on here and do this with me because I think that your job is very interesting. in title and of course you'll go into the actual day-to-day because I don't know that part yet. <laughs> That's a very common question. People are like, what do you do besides sit on Twitter all day? <laughs> I wish I wish that I wish that I could sit on Twitter all day. Same with my parents. They never understand what I do, so it's pretty common. Perfect. Well if they listen to this, then maybe I'm sure you've talked about it with them before, but this will give another layer, perhaps. Hopefully. How is life going for you in the in the world? I'm not even gonna say the COVID world because it's been a year as we were talking about before this since you know things really changed for us over here in in Canada. I would say. Yeah, it's, I can't believe it's been a year. I feel like time has gone by incredibly fast, but also so slow. When I look mm-hmm. back on it, I I feel like I've been in a really fortunate situation that I can work from home, so I have been I've felt pretty safe. And I really did a lot this year. Um, I yeah. took the year to really focus on my career, focus on bettering myself. So I ran a half marathon last summer, which I definitely would not have done if it wasn't for COVID because what else was there to do except run outside? All the gyms were closed. <laughs> True. <laughs> and yeah, I worked from, I've been working from home for a year, which was also an adjustment. So I moved. So I had an office space. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun overall. That's good. That is very positive. I feel like it's been mostly fun for me as well. Of course, there's been ups and downs and like a lot of change, like leaving Mm -hmm. a big city and going to a smaller town, for example. But, you know, very fortunate to have been healthy this entire time, like have close friends and family, you know, also be healthy. And there's a lot of things to be grateful for and happy about, I think, in this time. And I think Mm -hmm. we've all learned a lot. Definitely. So, yeah, it's like I could sit. I definitely have days where I'm just really done with the pandemic and want Mm. everything to be back to normal. But it's really, once you get yourself in that space, it's really hard to pull yourself back out of it if you think about it every day. So I just try really hard to stay busy, chat to people, take breaks when I need, and just communicate how I'm feeling. No, that's awesome. All good tips as well for the folks listening. Because I feel like people, as they were talking about, I I felt like last month in February, there was a lot of kind of, um, things I was seeing about people hitting the pandemic wall and just trying to find mm-hmm. new ways to cope down, cope with like lockdown fatigue and things like that. So I think what you just said are all things for folks to keep in mind and things I'll keep mm-hmm. in mind too. So yeah. And the warmer weather's coming. It I think is. we're through the hardest part, which is the repeat of a winter inside. So at least we know sunshine is coming. Yes. We're in the midst of fool spring right now because <laughs> it's definitely going to snow again, but we'll take it. It definitely will. <laughs> Awesome. 
Um, so for the folks listening, just to kind of, you know, break the ice a little and get to know you a bit better, would love if you could share with us three fun facts about yourself. Okay, I find these questions so hard because <laughs> what is fun and interesting is so subjective. And also, I feel like overall, my life is not the most interesting, but maybe it's because I'm living it every day. But sure. here we go, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, no as we, when we chatted before, um, the biggest thing in my life right now is that my partner and I got a puppy in January. So that is pretty much consuming a lot of my life. Um, yeah. I've never had a dog before, so I'm learning everything net new from the beginning mm -hmm. so every day he's learning more and i'm learning more but we're still having a lot of fun his Good. name is oliver and he's a shepherd mix but he is very busy <laughs> all day but it's been nice working from home and having a little buddy at home so it also encourages me to go outside and get away from my desk otherwise i would sit in front of a computer mm -hmm. literally the entire day you go from i always joke you go from your big screen to your tiny screen <laughs> so you pull your computer and then you go to your phone for the rest of the day so at least this forces me to go outside. Yeah, and he's so precious. He's very, and he's growing so fast. Yes, he is growing incredibly quick. And we're lucky he's adorable because I'm sure as dog owners know, some days are infuriating and the good days are just the best days ever. 100%. So having a cute dog helps. And he, in all honesty, he's a relatively well-behaved dog. So I have no complaints other than the usual puppy shenanigans. Of course. And it seems like you guys are being super diligent with the training and having a routine and everything too, from what I can tell. So yeah, that definitely we helps. are definitely strict on that. I was a little bit scared of dogs growing up. So for me, the most important part was making sure that other people would never be worried about his behavior or scared of him. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I find dogs need that structure and it's also good for me. I need that structure. I think the training is more for myself than it actually is for Oliver. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that too, especially like I was someone that never had a dog growing up. So for me, like going and learning like proper training techniques, especially when we had a rescue mm -hmm. too, like adding that factor in um, was so important, really helped me to work with my partner to set a routine and everything too. So mm -hmm. would agree with that. And it's there. nice. <laughs> it is nice. And yeah, it's nice. A nice challenge for me, my partner too, to try something new and work on parenting this dog together yes <laughs> i love it but yeah um the other hope too he's a very active dog so mm. the hope is that we'll be able to run with him um since we're both very active people in our personal lives so i guess my fun fact number two is that in endurance training season has just started for me so oh my. my plan is to run another half marathon this summer wow. um, and probably some 10ks again i feel like it's going to be another pandemic fueled summer so i might as well spend as much time outside as i can that's awesome yeah so that's one of my big goals and then i feel like everyone uses coffee as a personality trait and i have now become <laughs> one of those people <laughs> i really like oat milk lattes i'm going to say that that's probably my third fun fact um got an espresso last summer and it has been a game changer for work from home man honestly like your content around coffee and your Nespresso, as obviously I've asked you questions about it. <laughs> I'm like, how does this work? And everything. And you've been so gracious, but also so knowledgeable um, with all the different things you can do. And I'm just like, man, I'm definitely going to get one now because you got to take the trusted word of friends, <laughs> peers, whatever, before you take the word of a random influencer on the internet who doesn't necessarily <laughs> actually believe in the product. And I know that you use yours every day. So you've influenced yeah. me. I haven't bought it yet, but I'm going to do it. So just so you know. I feel like it's on my list. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, yeah, I think it's a lot of use. You probably crank out like four or five copies a day from it. Oh my so god! It is. It is like the fourth member of our family. <laughs> parenting a dog, parenting a coffee machine. We love to <laughs> <Exactly>. see it. <laughs> both for... work hand in hand. You need both to yes, function. Exactly. Um, for your half marathon this summer, are you planning to do like the same route or same one that you did last year? Or are you trying to do a new one? What's the What's the plan there, if you know? Um, so last year, I, since it was my first one, I definitely had, I had a lot to learn about the endurance running world. Right. So everything felt very new. And I was I was the type of person who would just go outside and start running. And I would, you know, be done when I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I got connected with a running coach at our gym who gave me a half marathon training plan. So that really helped me with achieving my goals and just pacing myself properly. So. So the route that I did was in Kitchener-Waterloo on the Iron Horse Trail and then a trail that goes near UW. Mm-hmm. It was a very nice trail visually. For myself, I, I like having one route where you just do one loop of it. Otherwise, I find I get so stuck into the numbers of repeating. But the right. downside is that the route is not entirely flat. So there was some hilly spots. There were oh, some busy no. spots. There was lights. <laughs> that was not something that I had thought about. Um, how much time you lose just running and stopping at a traffic light for 30 seconds really adds up over time, especially yeah. when you're running 21 kilometers. So this year, um, there is a 3K route that I found, and it's where I did my best 10K ever. So I think I'm just going to do that. I think it's seven times. <laughs> so that mentally is going to be something to conquer, but the loop is completely flat and has no lights and no stopping. So okay. Very nice. <laughs> hopefully I'll get a personal best again. Yes, we look forward to the results of this endeavor. I honestly, like, I am all for wellness, health, fitness, all that kind of stuff. And, like, I used to do a lot of sports, especially in high school. Um, But when it comes to long-distance running, and I definitely tried to, you know, find a love for it, (laughs) I could not. I'm definitely more of a sprinter. And I really admire folks who not only do long distance running consistently, but also enjoy it. And I assume you enjoy it if you're going to do all of these different routes and all of this training and and that kind of stuff. So good on you for that. <laughs> it's a love-hate. I don't think, I think any runner you talk to, I don't know if they'll outright say I love running so much. It's more of when you have a good run, a good run is so good. It feels great the whole time you feel like you're in a good groove. Mm-hmm. A bad run is just awful. The whole time feels like a, a battle, but it is good mentally to test you. And I found for myself, there's a lot of clarity that comes around to it, especially since my job, I am always having to be on and be online and be communicating with people. So yeah. running is kind of my me time to take a step back, not check my phone, listen to music. Sometimes I just run in silence, which is probably a little bit wild behavior (laughs) but for me it's just I go in autopilot and I just run and it's probably the only time in my day that I'm able to do that wow that's deep maybe I should give it a go maybe I should pick it back up again it's never too late right Uh, yeah (laughs) perfect and speaking about you just mentioned kind of like how you have to be always on and stuff for your job Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing, um, in your role? Cause it's, like I said, it's like super interesting and it sounds like a hybrid role from the outside, but would love to hear in your own words, kind of what, what your role looks like. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned before, the official title is senior social media and public relations manager. I mainly focus on the social media side of things, but I do assist my team members and my manager with the PR side 
okay. of our of our department. Um, so my day to day is managing the D twelve main social media accounts and then advising social strategy across our company because we do have other teams that manage social media accounts as well, whether that's international teams or support channels. And then I layer in some of some PR activities on top of that. Wow. That's cool. That's kind of like the cold notes. <laughs> and then everything in between. I I was talking with one of my mentors and mm-hmm. she said that I'm basically my own marketing department because I'm taking content, creating campaigns, targeting audiences, creating specific content for those audiences, mm-hmm. running the campaigns, sometimes creating assets for them, and then doing the reporting after to make sure the ROI is actually happening <laughs> through our activities. Um, yeah, it seems like you really have to take it end to end, which is crazy. Like that's, it's very meticulous and like a lot of steps to go through a lot of fact checking to do, you know, a lot of data analysis, all that kind of stuff. So good mm-hmm. for you. So what I like about my job the most is that I get to work across the entire company and I'm not siloed to one department. Mm-hmm. I love my team. I love working in my department, but it's nice working with people in a variety of different roles and interests because I'm always learning about our company and our product, again, from end to end, similar to what you mentioned before about my role. Mm-hmm. So I'm always working on different types of projects, again, with different types of people. And that's, I think, what keeps my job interesting in the day-to-day is that every day is definitely not the same. Every social media manager will tell you that, mm-hmm. especially with the pandemic, um, my role, the need for it, and just the workload increased exponentially once COVID hit because our channels are sometimes a support network for our customers right. and for prospects. So. I love being able to use social media to be that point person with customers and help people have a great experience with the company. No, that's really awesome. Um, And then when you say support, like, is it you, like yourself or whoever else you're working with on your team that's providing support or you use it as like a way to pivot them to the right folks that can help them um, with their, with their issues? It's a mix of both. So we at D2L have a support channel called Brightspace Community and they have a Twitter account so I helped them with kind of a little bit of training and strategy for that and what I'll do is behind the scenes when we get the question directed to D2L if it's a question that our Brightspace community can answer Mm -hmm. I do try to get them to answer and weigh in on the conversations because at the end of the day that's getting the customer to a, a better answer and it's less steps for them. And then outside of that, Mm -hmm. um, there are some things that I will answer if I know the answer immediately. I'm not a product expert. I'm definitely someone who is always learning how our product works. But if we see kind of common questions that I'm able to answer right away, Mm -hmm. we also try to take things to DM if we can, just because most of our our questions come in through Twitter. So you are limited on that character count. So it's nice to be on a DM and be able to send resources, links, attachments, and have those longer conversations to really get to the root of people's problems. Wow, okay. That's <laughs> awesome that you're able to kind of go between, you know, actually offering that immediate support, but then also helping to support the support team through social media, <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, our support team at D12, they're amazing. Um, I love working with them. They are always so helpful, and they're always really quick to jump on things. Sometimes they even see tweets before I see them just because they're a little bit bigger team than myself so it's nice to know that like I have their back and they have my back too and at the end of the day we're doing the best thing for our customers that's awesome um so it sounds like you're 
job is super multifaceted and I love the fact that you get to, you know, go, go outside of what you're doing and work with different departments and, you know, keep up your learning curve that way. Um, but aside from that, for you, what's it been like working in the ed tech space? Um, and what is it that keeps you there? You've been there for quite some time now. So the ed tech industry as a whole, of course, when the pandemic hit, is something that's just been growing and completely booming because everyone's moving online, both corporate and education companies. Yeah. So from an interest level, everything's changing daily. There's always new technologies to adopt. There's always schools that are, you know, they're starting at different levels mm-hmm. of usage. So anyone that works in ed tech right now knows how busy it is because the pandemic created such a demand for that at-home learning and online learning aspect, both education and corporate. So I guess that's a really interesting part about ed tech is it's education technology and it's not just focused on, you know, schools and universities and colleges. It also Mm. applies in the corporate space as well for um, corporate training, for any extended learning and upskilling that you need to do. Right. So it's a field, it's a field that had kind of been pushed to evolve during a pandemic, which is interesting to see personally and professionally. Ed tech as a whole, I find really interesting because education impacts everyone. We all go to school in our lifetime um, yes. and we're always learning whether it's formally or informally. So whether you're taking an online course just to upskill yourself or you're taking an extra course to get into a new program for an education program, we're always learning. That's very true. And it's very important to be a lifelong student, as I like to call it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we like to say lifelong learning um, in our workplace. But I really do believe in that. Like, I don't really know what I would be doing. And that's something I find in my field as well, outside of my job specifically, is I'm always learning because Mm -hmm. technology is always evolving. Yeah. And for me, like, even when I was thinking about D2L, like, I've only used it in the context of, you know, going on to basically like the learning management stuff that we had when I was in university, but I didn't think about, you know, the corporate side of things or like how folks would be using that for upskilling or like how companies would be benefiting from that. So that was great that you touched on that and got the wheels turning for me there. So (laughs) makes sense. Detail is doing some really cool collaborations between universities and corporate. And I think that that's a bridge that we haven't seen happen typically in the past, unless you were a co-op student, you really didn't get any exposure to the corporate world or to Mm. the real, the real world, as we like to say, Um, when you were a student, unless you either seeked out an internship, had a co-op term or worked while you were in school. So it's nice to be a part of a company that really believes in that lifelong learning process and trying to bridge the gap between educational institutes and that corporate world. No, that's really awesome. Especially like looking back on my time in school as well, not having been in a program that offered co-op, but now like, especially I think for students that have also had to move online, as you mentioned earlier, like, I think it's nice to see that you know, people are and organizations are in lockstep with the changes that are happening and, you know, providing those opportunities for learning um, in a different context as well and is in our mm-hmm. like, current digital context. I'll put it like that. Um, I'd love to hear more about what you like about PR and, you know, what's kind of made you want to work in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
why I got into PR and I'm going to say PR and social because for myself, they work together very closely and I really blended the two roles together. But I had originally started university in a psychology program and Mm -hmm. I very quickly learned that that was not the path I wanted to take. I did not enjoy any of my classes. I did not see any role outside of university that I saw myself in Mm -hmm. and any role really that I had an interest in. So it was definitely a crossroads. (laughs) You, when you leave high school, no one really prepares you for what if you don't like the program you're in in university, what like do you you work towards one kind of job or one type of degree that you want to get. And once you're there and you don't like it, what do you do? Um, And what I did is I talked to my friends. So I had a couple friends in marketing classes at the university I was attending. Mm -hmm. And I took a big interest in that. And I was talking with my sister about it. And she was at Conestoga at the time. And she let me know that there was a marketing and PR degree program at Conestoga. Mm -hmm. So what I liked about that was it offered me a university degree out of college, which meant I was going to get a more hands-on education. And it had guaranteed co-op. Having co-op was important to me because I knew that going into a marketing and PR program, I was going to have to network. And I've really learned that who you know helps you so much in your career. So that was something that was really important to me. And that's how I ended up in PR and I guess a bit of marketing. The program did change to be more PR focused once I got there, but I think that that was perfect for me. That's awesome. And then based on, you know, that experience with school co-op and then actually moving into the field, um, what's really kind of kept you focused on, you know, doing stuff in your career related to PR? Mm -hmm. I... Through my co-op terms, I really got thrown into the social media side of things, which was a part of PR that I never really thought about before. Mm -hmm. I liked social media in my personal life, but I really was learning in school the very traditional public relations aspects, like a news release, pitching media, um, writing articles. And Mm -hmm. that has really helped me in social media because I'm doing a lot of the same things that you would do for PR, just in a shortened, very targeted approach. I liked that I could blend social media and PR because they both impact each other because they're outward facing platforms and they're both impacting public perception. Mm-hmm. And I like that I can be a part, like I said earlier, of just making people's experiences with companies good. I am on social media in my personal life a lot during the day. And I see how brands handle situations and same mm-hmm. with public relations. I see how people's public perception is portrayed. And in my mind, I think, you know, this could have been done better, or we should be more customer focused, or we really need to have more empathy. And I like that I get to have that impact for people. Wow. I feel like there's a lot of responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. But, (laughs) but really, though, there's a lot of Of course, yeah, I feel like there's so much responsibility with being in PR, but especially when you're doing it, um, like with more of a social media angle, I guess you could say. Um, Because I feel like, the traditional ways of PR and obviously you can correct me if I'm wrong in terms of like people seeing press releases and stuff like even if those mm-hmm. get written and released I find that whenever I do see things like that like I access them primarily through social media so yeah I think it would be a mistake for folks to not see especially now with you know we're becoming increasingly digital like where the link is between social media and PR so I'm um, it's cool that you're a in a role that directly combines the two and that you know, you've been able to learn so much from basically your own personal use of social media and be able to apply that um, within your job as well. So 
that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I've been really lucky in my role Mm -hmm. that I started off mainly as just social media. And because my role was relatively new to the company, Mm -hmm. it had been the same uh, before I got there. It had been the same type of role. They did the same thing. It was nice that I was able to get the freedom to expand the role in the way that I thought was going to be most helpful for the company. So I remember my first day I was given the passwords to social media and that was pretty much my introduction into my role. But I really, it was really important to me that I integrated it into the company and integrated PR into that as well, because Mm -hmm. I saw the benefits of it. And, you know, the company has really allowed me to grow my career and grow my daily tasks and what I'm doing, which is how I ended up in the senior level role that I'm in now. Right. That's incredible. And it's great that you had that freedom and were able to kind of shape the role rather than it just being something you were grandfathered into and just kind of had to roll with because maybe that link wasn't as visible before you joined the company in the first place. So, mm-hmm. And, you know, when you work in tech, I think you understand that mm-hmm. technology is always changing and social media is the same way. I mean, look at this year. Clubhouse was not even a thing for the, until the last couple months and TikTok has really taken over really the social media space. So there's always new platforms being developed, whether they stick around or not, it's always something you have to consider in your social media strategy, Mm -hmm. depending where your audience is. So I think tech is a really great industry for that because they understand that fast paced change. Yeah, definitely. Um, One thing I wanted to kind of circle back to that you mentioned um, about like when you started in your program at college, that it was a marketing Mm -hmm. and PR program, um, but then it kind of had more of a PR focus. And um, even before we started, you know, formally recording this, we were talking about how there's kind of that misconception that marketing and PR are the same. Um, And for you personally, where do you think that comes from? Or like, where have you kind of experienced, you know, folks thinking that they are the same thing when obviously they differ quite heavily, I would say, (laughs) especially talking to you, I've learned that even more than I understood before we started talking here. So Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest confusion comes from, in my experience, PR and marketing are usually in the same department or Mm -hmm. work very closely together. So I think outside of those departments, people see both roles as someone who is writing external facing content for a company. So Mm -hmm. if you're not in marketing or PR, I understand that externally, you know, if something needs to be written, it's probably coming from one of those two departments. They're right. both departments that engage with customers, prospects, and the general public. So mm-hmm. I, re- I see where the confusion comes from. Um, to clear it up a little, marketing is more about promoting a product or service. Public relations is focused on maintaining a positive public perception or reputation. So they work hand in hand, right. but they just have different aspects that they work on externally. Um, yeah, so I think because of that, the departments will always work close together. So it's going to seem like they're very similar. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think the way you put it there was just so clear. So like, that's never a way I've really thought about it or heard it articulated. So I think that that was really perfect. So thanks. (laughs) Happy to help. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then um, you've definitely um, talked about how, you know, you're handling social media in your role. Um, You enjoy using social media in your personal life. And you definitely talked about how we're seeing so many platforms either grow in popularity or just in general come on the scene. Um, So as someone that's kind of in a role that has to be so, I guess, on top of the trends and happenings in social media and having to handle it for work as well, 
Um, what would you say is your favorite platform for personal and professional use? And also, which one do you hope to never have to use too much or <laughs> never use again? <laughs> Love to know um, what you think. Okay, <laughs> we'll start with the one I never, well, not that never. I know I'm always going to have to use this platform, but it's definitely my least favorite platform. Mm-hmm. Facebook <laughs> is my least favorite platform. I'm with you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I think it had its purpose. It has not evolved in the way that people need it to evolve. Mm-hmm. And the way that they just mixed up the newsfeed has created a lot of issues for a brand. So I think that's probably across the board. Most social media managers would say that. Um, On the flip side, again, the Facebook company, I would say Instagram is my favorite personal platform. I find it very inspirational. I know that social media can be very negative and a very bad place for people. And I understand how easily that can happen. I work very hard on making sure that social media, specifically Instagram, is a positive place for me. So if I'm Mm -hmm. seeing things I don't like, I'm unfollowing it or I'm blocking it. And sometimes that's people, sometimes that's companies, but it's how I maintain my level of sanity. I also, I like Mm -hmm. the visual platform of it. It's fun to make pictures match. It's fun to see what other people think are interesting. Stories are really fun. Yeah. I like seeing what people are up to. (laughs) Maybe that's because I'm not seeing people a lot in my day-to-day life and I'm home all day. I like seeing what other people are up to during the day. It kind of adds a little bit of normalcy back. And it also helps you connect with people. I've made a lot of friends actually through Instagram that I have never met in real life, but we talk every couple days, every other day. And yeah, it's a great place to connect with people and people are still real. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. And then would you say it's like you like um, running Instagram the most for work too, or is there a different platform you prefer in the professional setting or that you have as a favorite? Mm -hmm. It depends on the company uh, where I work now. Instagram doesn't entirely make sense with our current strategy. Right Right now, LinkedIn and Twitter are heavily the primary platforms that I use professionally. I feel like this is probably not a popular platform, but Twitter, I find, is the best catch-all for everything. Mm -hmm. Again, you have to work really hard at curating it because there's a lot of trolls on Twitter who can make it just an awful place to be. For sure. But (laughs) I think that before when you thought about the news, you would turn on the news or you'd look in the newspaper to find out what's happening in the world. Now my first thought, if something happens, is I have to go to Twitter. Twitter is always updated so quickly, and I think it's the first platform people put things out when it's urgent and when it's immediate. Other Mm -hmm. platforms have to be curated in different ways, so you lose that immediacy and that authenticity. I would agree with that. And for me, like I still still think between... Um, Instagram and I would even say Pinterest those are my favorite because I really like the visual aspect but also there's so many different things you can do as the platform has added new features and things like that but I really find like I've gotten a new love for Twitter I would say during the pandemic Mm -hmm. because it's it doesn't really give me that infinite scroll option like it's easier to kind of cut off my time there which sometimes you know when you're at home and not much to do sometimes you can just be there (laughs) looking at your tiny screen um, yes, and I like, <laughs> I've done one on TikTok for hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I also like that in Twitter, like you said, like that's kind of the one spot where folks are kind of putting things out that are more urgent. But I also like being able to go on and see there's like a weather tab and being able to see things in sports and just kind of have like my one stop shop, just like a mm. newspaper, but in a digital format. And I think that's something that um, I don't think it will go out of style anytime soon. I think people will still continue to enjoy it and 
and really be able to make something good of it or good with mm-hmm. it, I guess. So, yeah. And I think Twitter kind of blends a lot of the social platforms in a really nice way. TikTok yeah. is a lot of fun, a lot of personality, very much on the fly and not super edited. Well, there are accounts that are very edited. Right. Instagram is, you know, the perception you want to put out to people and it's a little more curated. And then LinkedIn is very professional. Mm. I feel like Twitter is the perfect intersect of those other platforms because you can still be professional while also showing your personality and sharing whatever media type you like. And sure. it's short form. So you're not getting people writing entire blog posts and long form posts. It's quick. It's digestible. You can engage with what you want to, and then you can move on. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And I, yeah, I think people are looking for things that are quick and easy. Like nobody wants to have to feel like when they're spending their spare time on social media Mm -hmm. that they have to do additional work, even if they are on there in like a professional networking capacity, like it still should be fun. I think Mm -hmm. so that makes perfect sense. Um, so I feel like I know what you're going to answer for this, but I'm curious to know if your role was to get split in half today and you were just managing social media or just doing PR, um, which one would you pick? (laughs) I think I have very much alluded to that throughout our chat, but social media is something that I, I really do love. Yeah kind of similar to running I guess have a love-hate relationship with it some days are good and some days are bad but again I love that behind the scenes look at a brand and at a person and being able to impact people one-to-one that way even though people are interacting with my company's page they're actually chatting with me Um, I've met people at our company's conference and I'm like hey I'm the person running this account and it kind of you can see the light click in their head yeah. Oh, I'm talking to a real person. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to have an alias sometimes so that you can have that persona that you're hi- a little bit hiding behind, but it also gives you the opportunity to have discussions with people mm-hmm. um, with a little bit less bias. And that is why I like social media. And again, every day is different. It's always changing. There's always new things going on, new things trending. It's easy to experiment with because mm-hmm. you can kind of try things really quickly and you can fail quick, but because unless it's a real bad fail, like Burger King on International Women's Day, yeah. um, you can usually <laughs> cycle through because social media cycles so fast because there's so much content. For so sure. it's a little bit of a creative freedom for myself. No, that's awesome. And it's so true. Like, even if something seems bad or, oh, it's like, oh, this is trending, like it might last for a day or maybe even a week at most, but then there's always something new to replace it and for people to have discussions around. So I like how fast it updates and how real time it can be in, in situations. It feels like it's kind of moving along with your life in a way. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) We're all taking it day by day. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I answer people now. And they're like, Oh, like, how are you doing? It's like, Oh, you know, just taking it day by day. It's all we can really do (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, Everything changes so fast, but making plans even for the next month seems difficult to do, but it's actually been really freeing in a way. Yeah. to look at your schedule and say, I have no plans this summer. What what am I going to do for myself since you're not always going to be with other people? Definitely. And that seemed really refreshing. Yeah, definitely something new to adapt to, but I think it's been positive and just allowed people to really slow down and, and kind of just appreciate things they might have, you know, taken for granted previously or would have been in the background that are now more at the forefront of their day-to-day. So it makes sense. <laughs> Um, 
Okay, I already asked you that because it came up earlier. Um, and then, so as someone that's, you know, really paying attention to all the trends, you know, you're up to date with all the platforms, you've given all of them a go, you know what you like, <laughs> you know what you don't like. Um, are there any predictions that you have about your field um, and either things that you think will continue to rise in popularity or might kind of just be like a shooting star you just see for a second and then they kind of fall off? I think, of course, everything is going to move move more digital, especially given um, the pandemic bringing up a lot of, you know, feelings about people touching things and, you know, <laughs> touching things like newspapers and magazines, just a little yeah. bit more fear there. And it's just more convenient to access things digitally. So I think that, of course, we'll definitely push in a more digital way. There will always be new social platforms. My current hot take that people probably also will not like or agree with is I don't see the longevity in Clubhouse. I think it's an excellent idea and a great starter point to change social media in a way that's not so reliant on the vanity aspect of it because it's kind of like a podcast, but live. And you don't have to worry too much about, you know, your background or what you're wearing or what you're looking like. People just listen to your voice. Right. And I think that that's a really great platform, but I don't see how the platform can continue in the, in the long-term sense. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they can adapt, but even right now, it seems like there's some limitations. And of course, Instagram, the king of taking other people's ideas, as much as I love the platform, has already worked on some clubhouse-like aspects and same with Twitter as well. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my little tea on social media to come. But it's hard when company a company like Facebook owns mm-hmm. two of the biggest social media platforms. It's similar to in Canada, like Bell and Rogers owning the majority of things. Right. It's going to be hard to take those companies down because of the resources, because of the money, because it's ingrained in people's culture and their day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So hopefully... I really hope that LinkedIn decides to never sell and stays its own. I would love to see LinkedIn continue to grow because people do need that professional aspect in their life. And since events are not really a thing right now, mm-hmm. that's going to be how people are connecting professionally with others. They're probably not connecting professionally as much through Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Right. And I would like to see more out of LinkedIn. <laughs> no, I think that makes sense. I really have enjoyed some of the features that have come to LinkedIn, like you know, just be able to do or take part in like LinkedIn lives or how you can have the LinkedIn mm-hmm. events and just seeing, you know, how those have gone. Like I've found them to be quite seamless and just a, yeah, a new way of connecting with people outside of your network. So I think I would like to see the same there. <laughs> the worst thing about LinkedIn though is that you sometimes get the folks that think it's Facebook and they just get in the comment section. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I wish they could filter that more uh, so that it remains professional. Um, but at the same time, yeah. sometimes people are just going to show who they are, no matter the platform. So it's just one yes. of those things. They will use, they'll use the platform as their soapbox as they see fit. Yeah, you'll find that across all platforms. Um, For sure. I'm happy that we hopped on the live and hopped on the video aspect because mm-hmm. I think that's why TikTok is so successful. Is It's that short form video because all of our attention spans are total trash now thanks to social media we love social media but social media has definitely had negative impacts on our lives in ways that we're not going to know for a while so it's interesting seeing this generation coming now they've had social media pretty much their entire life so from a I guess from a psychology standpoint I'm interested to see how that will continue on but short form video will be 
a very big popular topic. So oh, I'm so. sure Instagram will somehow find a way to continue working with that. Definitely. I'm excited to see where they take the Reels function. I've started making them recently, and they're mm-hmm. so much fun. I don't have TikTok, which I know sounds crazy, because it's like, <laughs> when do you meet someone that doesn't have TikTok? Um, You're like but, a unicorn. <laughs> basically. Uh, but I'm only afraid because of, like, pretty much everyone I know that says that they love it. They just say that they spend so much time on it. And I was like, I don't want it to be a huge time suck, but I want to experience the fun of it. But also people repost their TikToks on the platforms I already use. So I don't feel like I'm missing mm-hmm. out too much, which is good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it reminds me of Vine in a way where it mm. was just, the content is so ridiculous and so much fun and trends come and go so quickly. It's a great place if you if you want to learn, you can actually learn through TikTok. The algorithm's great. It's almost too good. Um, <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you coordinate yourself, like, based off of what you like and what you engage with, it's very good at feeding you what you want to see, which mm-hmm. I think Instagram has to still work on because they're so entrenched in, in brands and promoting brands and, you know, making money that way. Yeah. TikTok is very good at giving you actually what you want. So right now my TikTok is mostly puppy videos <laughs> because that's where my life has gone. Of but course. it's also educational content. So there's a lot of people on TikTok that are doing, again, that short form education content that is not dumbed down but some of the higher level topics like um, the pandemic and how vaccine works people are taking it into a more digestible way so it's a great way to spread information that people should know but like you said before with great power (laughs) comes great responsibility and there's also a lot of misinformation through social media so it's always something to be conscious of for sure and I feel like on that point of misinformation I feel like not everyone takes the time to do that fact-checking as well or, you know, see <laughs> multiple sources. I'm definitely one of those people that is looking for multiple places um, to kind of confirm things that I've seen because I feel like, A, I'm just somewhat of a cynical person sometimes and I've always been a skeptic. <laughs> so I'm like, no, nah, I need to like really do my research. But, you know, time doesn't always allow for that. So it's just got to manage your time mm-hmm. on these platforms accordingly, I guess. Yeah. So that's something Twitter did really good. Speaking about our, our Twitter, I feel like this is our love letter to Twitter. It but is. Twitter kind of adapted from the pandemic and did something where when you want to retweet something, it asks you if you've read the article. Um, and that's not a prompt I've ever seen on any other social platform. Yeah. But I think it's an interesting way to stop you for a second and be like, I haven't read the article. Should I read the article now? So it, it has stopped me and force me to go check the article, make sure I am sharing what I think I'm sharing, and then go back and share it if I think it's appropriate. And I hope other platforms adapt to that as well. Yeah, I thought that was such a positive thing because, yeah, you just see people giving their hot take in the quote tweet, and I'm like, you definitely didn't read this. (laughs) Um, So now I like that it at least prompts people to think, maybe I should read it before I give my whole eight-part thread on what I think about this because that could happen (laughs) so often. So I totally get that. Um, kind of more to like, I, I guess it's still work related, but to more what you do when you leave your desk for the day and that kind of stuff. Um, and like, you know, how you think about your job and improving yourself, um, which is something you said at the very beginning. It's something you've really honed in on over the last year in particular. Um, so what sort of things have you been doing to improve in your craft outside of the workday? Um, I've been doing a lot of reading. <laughs> it's yes. hard when you work on the internet all day to leave 
you know, leave your work at the end of the day and spend more time on the internet. Yeah. As long as, as long as it's productive and you kind of give yourself time for it. But I read a lot of blogs. I watch a lot of YouTube videos mm. and TikTok <laughs> again mm. is where I do a lot of learning and a lot of seeing how platforms work, what's up and coming. There's a lot of YouTube channels and TikTok accounts that talk about upcoming trends in social media or talk about new features that are getting released since um, Facebook and Instagram kind of have like a selected group of people that they disseminate this information through. So a lot of times I'm getting kind of sneak peeks of features that are to come, which gives me time to think about how I would use it in my personal life or my professional life. And then just trying out the platforms myself. I'm not super comfortable with video and being on video, but it's something I've forced myself to do through TikTok, through Instagram Reels, Instagram Stories, Mm -hmm. so that I know how these platforms work myself. And I think by doing that in my personal life, I'm growing my skills and I'm getting better for my job, but I'm also having fun while doing it. It's not as much a traditional learning experience like it was in university or college. I loved my experience with, with college, but I'm more of an informal learner no that's awesome I think that's something I've also tried to do myself like you can obviously read umpteen books on something (laughs) um, but it's always nice to just test it yourself and that's something that we really value as well at six and flow that's one of our things we like to test break and learn on ourselves before we suggest it to our client base Um, so that's something that I'm thinking about all the time and I think that's why I've started to you know experiment with reels because I was like oh they're fun to watch but I mean, it's cool to watch other people create, but it's also great to engage with it yourself and see if it's something that's worth doing, um, something that you can improve upon, learn about, whatever the case is. So mm-hmm. I agree. I think that helps you. I think that helps you to get an appreciation for people who are doing those videos and are creating that content Definitely. when you see how much work it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, like we were talking about it earlier too, like just folks that are actually content creators or influencers or whatever you want to call them and that's what they do full-time whether it be on YouTube Instagram whatever like there's so much work that goes into it and we've been able to tell that from us just you know trying things ourselves and building up you know our creative juice in that way like just doing that all the time and always having to come up with new concepts especially now like where a lot of people are just kind of doing the same thing you know spending Mm -hmm. a lot of time at home like I feel like that adds that extra layer of challenge as to you know, how you can be engaging and give people something new and creative. So yeah, big respect, big yeah. respect. <laughs> I agree with that. It's it's easy when you're going places and you're doing exciting things to share exciting things because exactly. that's how you live through people <laughs> is seeing what they're doing. And it's been interesting seeing how people adapt, especially like the travel blogging industry, yeah. how those people have adapted during a pandemic has been interesting to see. And Definitely. I think you know, for some accounts, that was their downfall is that the whole point of their account was going places. Mm-hmm. And it's put an emphasis on storytelling and connecting with people, which is at the core of what social media is supposed to be about. Definitely. And yeah, building up those communities and finding different ways to relate other than, you know, having one type of content. It's been really cool to see how folks and like individually and also um, how organizations have adapted and you know, continue to tell a different story or adapt that adapts to the current context that most of us are in right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I also another reason why I love social media is it gives mm-hmm. people a platform and it gives them an audience and it gives them a community, depending how they promote themselves through the platform. A lot of small businesses, I think, 
were forced to jump into the social media and digital marketing world Mm -hmm. because they were so focused on the person to person aspect of their business, which is important. And it's how you get a loyal following, but social media is something that's not going away. And I think the pandemic has really solidified that, that you can't just rely on traditional marketing or PR tactics anymore. You have to jump into the digital space. Oh, definitely. It's yeah. You have to be, willing to diversify because you never know. Um, like I think a lot of the different ways that people do marketing, whether it be kind of more in a direct mail fashion or if they're really going digital, you have to think about what would happen if, you know, that one platform that you pour your heart and soul into, if it was gone tomorrow, how, you know, how you would come back from that and how you would adapt and, and still share your message and build your community. So I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see that a lot with Instagram, Instagrammers, <laughs> I guess you could call them, yeah. where they lose access to their account and their entire business, their entire community is in one spot. Exactly. So yeah, you touched on a really important part about diversifying. And at the end of the day, Facebook owns that platform. You don't own what you put on it. Yeah. My best recommendation to people who ask you know, about working in social media or if they want to get into the influencer space is to diversify, but also make sure you have a place where you own your content. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. that's a personal website, but then you have that as your backup for all your information and all the content you've created. 100%. Um, I know for sure that you have a website. (laughs) I'm going to put it in the show (laughs) notes so the folks can check it out. I won't embarrass you if you don't want to talk about it, but I know that you definitely practice what what you preach on the whole diversification thing. And as you've said, and as people have, you know, been hearing that like you are, you know, really taking hold of all of the platforms available and making sure you, you know, are well-versed in them and understand what's, what's coming down the pipeline for a lot of them. So I think that's something that people should keep in mind. If you're not doing that already, you know, if you're just trying to stick to one thing, maybe you like one platform more, but if you really are trying to grow that digital presence, it is important to at least keep an open mind to what else is out there. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. And a website's a fun way. Again, I started my blog, I guess you could loosely call it a blog, um, to practice writing for myself and to mm-hmm. test out some aspects with WordPress. And it has given me a good outlet to put the longer form content that maybe people aren't interested in on my other platforms. Mm-hmm. I don't write my blog specifically to get millions of views because it certainly does not but it is a good creative outlet for me. And like I said, at the end of the day, I own it. It's mine. If I want to shut it down, I can shut it down. If I want to just leave it there, I can. But yeah. yeah. She's a great writer. Just saying it's her blog is awesome. Can you tell I'm a fan? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, I, if you could see me, if we were in person, you would know that I'm blushing. (laughs) I, I love the behind the scenes of social media. This is very new to me. The subject of something. Fair enough. Well, you're welcome for giving you a taste of that. (laughs) Um, Besides diversifying your platforms, do you have any um, advice that you'd like to put out there for folks that are thinking about um, a career either in social media or public relations or both? Um, Anything that you've learned that you think, you know, people might not know and it would be helpful for them? Mm -hmm. My advice for people who want to work in PR and social, I'll start with kind of you know, the less glamorous side of it, since TV is very good at making PR and social media seem like a really fun role. I think we all 
saw that with Emily in Paris on Netflix at the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But social media and PR is a role where you have to be on pretty much all the time. There's industries that can allow for a little more structure for you to log out at the end of the day. But for the most part, social media never sleeps. News never sleeps. There's always going to be things updated in real time. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very conscious of staying up to date on those things. And as a PR and social media manager, a lot of times you are the entry point for people into your company and you're kind of the gatekeeper of your pers- of your company's reputation. So there's a lot of weight that comes with that. Right. But on the other side of that, I would say working in PR and social, make sure that you try and get as much experience as you can. And I think people mistake experience for traditional job experience, Mm. but sometimes it's as simple as just doing the work yourself. So if you're in school and you would like to work in PR and social and you can't maybe get a job in it, I would say look at volunteer experience. That's where I got a lot of experience in school. A lot of volunteer nonprofit organizations Mm. can't afford maybe to hire as many full-time employees and marketing PR, social, those types of roles tend to be on the volunteer basis. So it's a great way to get experience in that without, um, yeah. (laughs) So working for a nonprofit is a great way to get experience in those fields with having a little bit more flexibility since a lot of times those companies don't have another person, another marketing or PR person there. So you get to try things and kind of be your own lead that way. And also just trying the platforms out yourself. We did co-op interviews recently. And my biggest surprise that I found was people hadn't even tried the social media platforms from themselves. We asked, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it was very surprising. Um, And a lot of, it's pretty easy to jump in yourself. Even on the ads platform, you don't have to run ads, but you can look at it and kind of poke around without actually running an ad and having you know, a company's money be the first time you run an ad. And yeah, so poke in there yourself, take a look around, and then find a mentor if you can, or someone in your field that you would like to be like, kind of like your aspirational role. Mm -hmm. When I was in school, I messaged people cold on LinkedIn. I would Google social media manager at Lululemon, social media manager at X company. Any company that I was interested in, I looked for a role that I thought would be cool. And then I would reach out to them on LinkedIn and say, I'm a student. I'd love to learn more about what you do. A lot of times people will reply because we all like talking about ourselves (laughs) like I am on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And we, most people like helping other people. PR and social is very much an industry where it's who you know. And for myself, every job that I've gotten has been because I know somebody at that company or I know of someone that knows someone at a company. So even just getting those networks built will really help you exponentially in your career. That's awesome advice. Um, And yeah, I've I've definitely been one of those folks that has done the the cold outreach thing. And that was how (laughs) um, I got my first like copywriting role. um, Not that long ago, it was like four or five years ago. But I think it's important to put yourself out there and you know, ask those questions, even just like getting information, like it doesn't even have to be about necessarily getting a role, but just really getting those real insights as Mm -hmm. to what you could be in for. It's something so important. And it's better to do that sooner rather than later. If you're, you know, thinking about a career change, or, you know, maybe you're a student listening to this and wanting to get into a field like, 
never know until you're in it. And it's great to get mm-hmm. insight from people before it's too late in a way, I guess. It's never too late, but you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get usually the candid insight from people and you'll get the tea, if you will, on what jobs are really like. For and sure. that's important. For sure. And the final thing I want to know, so we can immortalize it here on audio. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but where are you where are you hoping to take your career? Um, it doesn't have to be like in a specific time frame, but what are you either hoping to do more of, or yeah, what's something that's kind of on the list for you career wise? Mm-hmm. I have spent a lot of my career kind of in the trenches of social media, which is the community engagement side. Mm-hmm. which is where I really fell in love with social media. But I hope to continue expanding my roles to be more strategic and kind of take more of that high-level oversight. Right. I do that now, but because I am only one person, I'm doing a lot of community management and a, a lot of that strategy, and there's only so much time in a day. So hopefully, I guess my aspirational career would be to lead a team and have that blend of PR and social, since I think that's where the industry is going, Mm -hmm. and be able to help mentor people the way that I'd be mentored by my managers and other leaders at at the places I've worked. Right. That's awesome. So I'm glad that you've hope like you're hoping to kind of keep on the same path because you've you know found such enjoyment from it and and you've been able to learn so much and and kind of show that link between social and PR in the work Mm -hmm. that you're doing so glad to hear that you're you know happy with the path you're on (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think I did the the career change early on in my life so hopefully I won't have to do that again but again I think that's being in an industry that's always changing yeah my job's never going to stay the same it's true so much to learn still for both of us for sure Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me, Jacqueline. It's been awesome catching up and really getting to learn more about, you know, what you do at your day job as I I get more of like, you know, visions of what you do for fun or, you know, all the fun stuff you're doing on social personally. <laughs> and like I said, I read your blog, which I'll link for the folks in the show notes. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome just like going deeper on these things with you and, and just, yeah, catching up and having a really good conversation giving folks insight into how um, social media even though that's usually attached to marketing how it can apply in the different contexts um, with PR as well so appreciate your time thank you for having me it was so much fun catching up my pleasure